the United States men's national team embracing their inner Georgia Bulldogs. You don't have to win your conference to win the whole dang thing. Am I am I saying Georgia's going to win, or am I saying the United States men's national team is going to win the World Cup? Absolutely not. But listen, they're in the dance. Good. They're in the dance after a 2 nothing loss to Costa Rica. Yeah, you heard that right. Our boys <laughs> are headed off to the big dance in, in Cutter. Cutter, then. Cutter. Okay. Yeah. Q-A-T-A-R? I, st- I, I still can't believe that's being held there, first of all. Um, Why, because of, like, of the 130-degree temperatures or because of, like, the Pakistani slave labor? Yeah. No, kind of all of it. Okay. You know, just like the the, and that's the thing. A lot. If you don't know the story behind it, you might. Oh, PJ, why are you saying such a mean thing about a small country or whatever? Like, no, that's that's not what I mean at all. It, it has everything to do with, yes, the temperature is insane. Uh, yes, the infrastructure isn't there to to be able to withstand, you know, that many countries and that type of um, influx of, of fans and everything going to it. Uh, but yes, also, oh, I, I but, think I think it's if I can counterpoint that I think it's absolutely built for what it's hosting. It's it's well, that, a country made for tourism. Yeah, but four years it, four years ago it didn't four plus years ago it didn't have the infrastructure to be able to withstand a World Cup, and the only reason why it does now is because of the slave labor. Yeah, that, but I mean, that, so like that that's. But this would not be the first, and it won't be the last country to. Bankrupt itself trying to host one of these things. I mean, very true. Go look at Sochi. Yep. The Winter Olympics, Brazil, the stadiums that it built for the World Cup are now just kind of laying dormant, not really yep. doing anything. So you spend tens upon millions of dollars for stadiums that you're going to use three, four times, right? Yeah, mean, and then, yeah, it's just a, a wasteland after that. Correct. Yep. So, uh, but North America is the host, going to be the host coming up in 2026. Yeah, all of North America, and that—that's pretty exciting. That no, for sure. I I wasn't saying that as a bad thing. I think it's very interesting, and and pretty yeah, pretty dang exciting as well. But it just I know that that kind of went off on a on a different type of tangent there. But insanely happy. Listen, I'm I'm thrilled to be back in the World Cup for the with the U.S. Men's National Team and. You know, although I'd like to look at last night and be like, that's a pretty embarrassing way to, to make your way into it. Well, it was, it was just like, basically, you had to play the game because you had to play the game, and you just couldn't lose 6 to nothing. Right, but, I mean, there is something ironic and weird from a competitor standpoint of losing a game 2 to nothing, and then, you know, cracking beers in the locker room because you made it to the World Cup and celebrating that 2 to nothing loss. And I know that's not specifically what you're celebrating, but it is just a, a odd thing from a competitor standpoint. But that being said, four years ago, well, we were all just kind of shocked. I'd like to call it shocked, but uh, just kind of dismayed and, and disappointed because of you know where the country was in soccer, and it, it was just kind of a slow, slow, reluctant burn to the you know negative side of things, and a lot of guys that were. You, you knew was going to be their last try to get into the World Cup, and it just seemed like, oh, they're, they're going to find a way to do it, and then you lose to Trinidad and Tobago. So, 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, same story, different we result. This time you lose to Costa Rica <laughs> yeah. two nothing, but Very dang true. it, you're in. Yeah. Think about where we were then. And think about where we are now. I'm, I'm, you know, not fooling myself. I don't think we're going to go in there and just win the whole dang thing with ease. But it's great to be back for sure, and Isn't and it? see some sort of confidence, some see some sort of at least a little bit of an upswing and and some hope. There, there's some young players on that team that I feel like are going to be fun to watch for for a while. There's also a lot of room to improve. So I'll put it that way. Uh, I I think this, as excited as we do this every time, where we have like the exciting player like Freddie Adu or someone coming up, we're like, okay, this is the one. This is the <laughs> one that's going to put us over the top. And like Christian Pulis, he's been amazing, but he had 12 goals over the World Cup qualifying, and like that's the fourth most ever for a U.S. player. So like the Landon Donovans before, right? The Clint Dempseys before. Like, I understand he's had European success, like been like a key cog for Chelsea. Like kind of, I guess I should say a key cog to where he's been a nice rotational player for Chelsea. Go look at the teams that are actually going to be competing to win the World Cup. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. all of their players are yeah. like just featured players. Yeah. If on the biggest be... clubs in the world. So like, is it going to could it be fun? Yeah, are you going to be hoping against hope? Yeah, are you and your you and the buddies going to be hanging out in front of the TV? I don't know what that time frame is going to look like, if I'm being honest, in terms of trying to watch those games. But yeah. it won't be as bad as when it was in South Korea, what, back in 2002. You had to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch a match. Well, I can't remember that, so. Oh, it's because you're a youngin'. <laughs> but uh, they have put out the pots one of the reasons. for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. So basically how it works is you have four different quote-unquote pots or pods uh, in the college football universe, and they're tiered out, right? So you have the Tier 1 teams, Tier 2, Tier 3, Tier 4, and there are eight in each one. We still have three teams left to be decided in Pot 4, uh, but suffice to say the Pot 4 are like the 16 seeds, right? And so in each group, so when you have the group stages in the World Cup, you have four teams per group, one from Pot 1, Pot 2, Pot 3, and Pot 4. Uh, the USA, for whatever reason, is in Pot 2. Right. Like the same pot as Germany or Uruguay or Croatia or yeah. the Netherlands. It is very odd. And I, I have, like, it's weird to have a bone to pick with that because, like, am I happy, I guess, that, that we're in pod two because that means we could have, you know, a, a better matchup, obviously, better matchups and be in better group um, or easier group to get through than yeah. we would if we were in a lower. Of course, of course. At the same time, Canada won CONCACAF. Mm hmm. And they're in pod four. Mexico finished second. They're in pod two with us. We finished third. It doesn't make any sense. I believe, I was talking to BJ, I believe Canada also has head-to-head victories over us and Mexico. Correct. So it makes no sense. Uh, but I guess I think it's a lot of TV stuff going on there. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure, sure they already know how they want these pots to work out, uh, and that's probably how they seeded it up there. Because, I mean, again, Germany is in pot two. Yeah. Right. You want my early favorite? Sure. France again. Okay. Repeating, but it's so hard to repeat. Sense. Belgium. Really? Little Kevin De Bruyne action. De Bruyne, you got Eden Hazard. You got uh you got a couple of hazards on that team. Uh Lukaku. Okay. On that team as well. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean like literally you have 
a couple, a couple of different guys. Yeah, yeah, you have a like, I'm not saying like they're hazardous. I'm saying there's literally a couple different hazards. <laughs> I got you. I didn't, I'm team. not gonna lie. I didn't know about the second one. So like, you, you know which one's weird. You for said me? hazard, and then you said Lukaku. So I was like, I was like, is he calling Lukaku a, a hazard because he's that good? Which yeah. he is. But you know what's weird for me is <laughs> Portugal being at pot one. But hey, welcome into uh, World Cup talk here. Yeah, on right. ESPN exactly. Radio. No, that's odd. I, I, we know why Portugal's there, but well, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, but so I, I think, you know, the problem with Portugal and especially now is even the team, you know, four years ago, eight years ago, you had Ronaldo, but you had guys around him that were extremely good also. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I'll, I'll have to check out the roster for Portugal, but, like, those guys have, have gone and retired. And unless have, there's yeah. just some young, spectacular players on that team, it's kind of Ronaldo and the rest of them. Yeah, so, for sure. I don't know. I'll have to check that out. But I do like I do like your Belgium pick there. Eden, uh, Eden, Eden, whatever. Uh, oh, it's not whatever. It's his name. <laughs> uh, has a. It's funny that okay, you. PG. It's it's funny that you say that, and then I'm go- about to say this. But like I don't know. I haven't talked soccer in a long time. All right. So my apologies. But uh, it's usually Eden, frowned upon in this Eden, establishment. Eden Hazard. Has actually been one of my favorite players for a long, long. Yeah, he's time. a short king. I get it. I get why you. Yeah, like it has him. nothing to do with that. I get why you like him. Has nothing to do with that. My my favorite Champions team, uh, Champions League team is Chelsea. Okay, I love Chelsea. Oh, I have for a while. Didier Drogba, of course, you got Pulisic there now. Yeah, uh, Eden Hazard there for you know for forever. I mean, w- Willem, I always loved Willem as really solid midfielder. Frank Lampard. So like, I, I've always uh, I've always been a Hazard guy. So you picking Belgium there as your sleeper. I actually am, am, am right along with you there. I like that quite a bit. Well, the only problem with uh, you being a Chelsea fan and a Hazard fan is for the last few years, I think since 2019, and Hazard's been with Real Madrid. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. Yeah, he swapped over All there, right. and then right. but Pulis came in. Yeah, but he was with Chelsea for a long time. For a very long time. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. <laughs> we, Glad. We good? Are you a Kentucky fan now, too? No, not at all. Because your boy Will Levis is over there? No. Well, I, no, not at all. Wow, right. that doesn't even make sense. So you're still a big Will Levis This is the thing. So you're still a big Will Levis this fan. This is the thing. No, I'm, I'm a... What? I'm a Penn State fan. But you're an Eden Hazard I grew up fan. In, yeah, I like to watch him play. Because you're a Chelsea fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like all the... Didier Drogba is one of my favorite players also, of all time. Also played for Chelsea. Guess what? Yeah. Played for Chelsea, but played for other teams too. He moved on as well. So right, like just because like he him? moved on, did you like him because he was a player? I had to did you, stop or did you him? like him because of the team he played for? I so that's found him. So that's what I'm asking team. you. So that's what I'm asking you. Is, so like you're still an Ed Hazard fan, and therefore you pull for him on Real Madrid. Are you pulling for Kentucky since Will Levis? This is a weird thing. I can I can pull for players, but not like the team they're on. Like I can want Ed Hazard to score like PJ two or three doesn't goals. like Kentucky for very good reasons. I don't like Kentucky at all. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm a Penn State fan, so like not why even would, in basketball. Why would those two things coincide? Let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is I'm actually like talk about some New Year's Day bowls in the not too recent what's past. What's hilarious is like I'm a I really haven't I like watching Benny Snell run the football like and he went to the Steelers exactly oh. like his running style is amazing and then you go watch it uh, in the what, Love what the was that? Bowl? No, it was in Orlando. What was it? The, the Citrus Bowl? Citrus Bowl, yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, can we talk about bowl games real quick now that this 
segment has just completely gone off oh, the rails. Why, why not? Did sure. you see that the Outback Bowl is no more? What? Okay, that kind of makes me mad. Like, there's actually, still going to be a bowl game there, but Outback is no longer the sponsor. Do you want to guess what it's called now? The one that's played in Raymond James Stadium. It's probably like... I don't know. I would put it up no, there for worst so bowl game not, name ever. Oh, my gosh. So is it like a diaper company? Uh, like what in the world? The Tampa it, Bay Bowl. Are you kidding so me? So you went from having a, a, a live blooming onion running around on the sideline to, I get I don't know, what do you put out there for Tampa Bay? Like they couldn't. Couldn't work things out without back? It, it, I mean, mm, my gosh. Am like, I, it's am so I weird. crazy as a college football fan for saying that, like, the tier two bowls, yeah. Outback Bowl is one of the best. Agreed. Because it's, it's always big, like. Big Ten SEC. Big Ten SEC. That's the. Always like the for the third fans who are like, fourth. why do I know that name? Why do I know that? Yeah, Jadavian Clowney hit against Michigan. Yeah, exactly. That's why you know that so name. That's all you need to know. But the Outback Bowl is always like the fringe, fringe top 10 but SEC it's always and Big lit. Ten teams. Like, I think, exactly. Uh, it, and it kind of gives you a preview every now and then, like, uh, Mac Jones started in the Outback Bowl against Michigan and just toasted them. And then yeah. the next year, they win the national championship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think... Um, it's always a good matchup. There was a... This was forever ago. Penn State played in the Outback Bowl in, like, 2007, and it was uh, Penn State, Tennessee, and then went back in 2010, and it was Florida Yeah. versus uh, Penn State. Oh, Matt McGloin throwing a pick six there to mm-hmm. seal the win for Georgia's played in a lot of Florida. Outback Bowls. Yeah. yeah, George played in a lot of them. I think he played Nebraska in the not too distant past. Is it weird? It's like whenever Alabama doesn't go to. That, that's the thing, right? Like whenever Alabama well, doesn't go to a goes. New Year's Six Bowl, they go to the Outback. Well, it's because they get like the Outback Bowl after the New Year's Six gets the top pick of the SEC West. I'm pretty sure that makes sense. But like it, or this I should is say also the Tampa odd. Bay Bowl. Yeah, well, forget uh, this is ridiculous. A lot of times with college sports, we're complaining because let's say like. What is it? The um, the the Louisville uh, like gym switch from something really cool uh, to like. Excuse me, sir. It's the Louisville. Louisville, whatever. Louisville. But now it's like the Little Caesars or. Well, it was something. Papa John's. Yeah, it's Papa. It John's. It was Papa John's, but I'm pretty sure they took that away after the whole Papa John scandal. Which God, Makes I love sense. college football. Makes sense. I don't know. A lot of times we're complaining because like something traditional is being changed because they got a new sponsor and they're getting more yeah. money or whatever. And now we have to call it the blankety blank, you know, ketchup bowl. How many mortgage? So, how many mortgage bowls did we have last year? Too many. So that's always frustrating. But this is weird. Or tax bowls because it's the opposite, really. Like well, the I had sponsor to imagine, is I had to imagine Outback. From what I've noticed in the surrounding Outbacks, like Outback isn't doing too great right now, if I had to imagine. That makes sense. Uh, and so I guess they're looking for somebody because all of this process starts like a year before the actual game itself. So I'm assuming they just went to the city of Tampa Bay and said, hey, like you can obviously, because you're the city of Tampa Bay, you can obviously write some tax breaks for us to operate here and then we'll, all, we'll give you a discount on the naming rights. I don't know if it's going to be the Tampa Bay Bowl for very long. You know it would be like, you know what would be actually the Tom Brady the TB12 bowl? No, stop it. You know what would actually be lit is if the Outback Bowl was leaving Tampa Bay to instead make a new college football bowl game with like I mean, you can't automatically become a reputable college football bowl game, right? So you got to start with like 6 and 6 teams, but an Outback Bowl in the Outback Interesting. In Australia. 
interesting. Uh, yes. You're talking about the temperatures in Cutter. That'd probably be rough. Is that a dingo joke? No, because like, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be January first. Oh god! Isn't that the middle of summer? Oh, I have no idea. In Australia? Yeah, I I don't know. Ask uh, Chris Hemsworth. I think he knows. Do you have his number? Because <laughs> I would love to talk to him. Or Liam. I'll take either one of them. Uh, it's true. <laughs> what is going on? But wouldn't it be summer? Am I stupid? I have no idea, man. I don't know. I'm pretty what, sure it's summer. Uh, uh, that sounds like some sort of saying. Like, what I, what, I, I don't no, know what the weather's like in Australia. What I, what I, <laughs> what I do know is we have an important guest coming up next. One oh, who we will okay. not be dealing with shenanigans like this. Uh, we're going to have serious college football talk with him. The offensive coordinator for the Georgia Southern Eagles. There you go. Brian Ellis going to hop on with us next. Big change of pace coming for Georgia <laughs> Southern fans. Uh, last year, Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky with Brian Ellis as his quarterback coach and offensive coordinator set the FBS record for passing yards in a single season. Uh, a couple of wide receivers last year had more yards in that season than anyone has ever had in their career for Georgia Southern. So big change coming for the Eagles. We'll ask Brian Ellis how big next right here on second down. Coordinator Brian Ellis joining us here. Coach, we appreciate the time, man. I'm sure I've uh, been a whirlwind from you guys. But it got to be nice to be back out there just coaching some football. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite times of the year, um, spring ball. It's, also, it's always a lot of fun being at a new place and, you know, working with a new group of kids and, you know, really, really excited and really love their efforts so far. And you come over take over as the offensive coordinator uh, at Georgia Southern, most recently there. Uh, at Western Kentucky, and if, if Georgia Southern fans just kind of go back and look, uh, just a team that was throwing the ball all over the place. And I know a lot of coaches say, especially on the offensive side, you, you try to design an offense around your players when you have guys like Bailey Zappi uh, up there who can throw it like he can. Obviously, you're going to sling it around a little bit. But for the Georgia Southern fans who think, hey, these guys will be throwing the ball 50, 60 times a game, uh, what, what would you say? Is that what we're going to see at Statesboro, or is it just going to be maybe catered more towards the athletes? Well, yeah, I think it's like you said. Um, at the end of the day, our job is to score points, and we're going to do whatever we have to do offensively to try to get that done. And, you know, I think we're all, during these 15 practices of spring ball, I think that's what we're trying to do the most is both players and coaches is learn one another. Expectations, uh, how to do things, the way we want things done, and that's what we're working towards right now. And, you know, I, I want to be very multiple. I want to play fast. Um, if we got to throw it 50 times to win the game, that's what we'll do. If we got to run it 60 times to win the game, that's what we'll do. And so, again, I've been very, very pleased with the effort and the attitude and the, the talent that we have at Georgia Southern. And, you know, we've had four days of practice so far. Tomorrow going to be day five, and it's going really well so far. And just as a offensive coordinator and, and your identity, maybe not just with percentages on run versus pass, but what are some of those those core things – that you try to stick to when you're trying to identify your offense? Well, the, the, you know, first and foremost, it starts with the tempo. We want to play fast. And, uh, you know, we want to be able to run the ball. We want to be tough. We want to be physical. We want to be everything that, that Georgia Southern's been in the blue-collar part of that of those things. And that's what's important. But, you know, I think in today's football, you've got to be able to throw the football at times to win the game. You know, you look at – the elite programs in the country and, and the teams that are winning championships, you you know, they're they're throwing for a bunch of yards every year. They got athletes all across the field and you know, so 
we want to be balanced and we want to be able to do both. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, too, we've got to be able to throw the football. And looking at this roster that you have right now, how many guys uh, are you going to give some chances with this first team? Whatever a first team looks like, right? Because like you said, you're, you're just now getting out there and getting to experience these guys under some live fire action. But how many guys are you going to rotate through at that quarterback position uh, this spring? Or is this going to be a little bit different maybe uh, than what a typical spring practice looks like? Well, you're going to try to give everybody reps, trying to make sure, you know, everybody gets a fair shake. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, man, this, this is a Division One football program with very, very high expectations. And, you know, I think – I tell our quarterbacks all the time, I, I don't decide who the starting quarterback is. Your teammates decide that. And that's not by their words. They don't decide who the starting quarterback is because they walk in my office and tell me who they want to start. They decide it by – the demeanor, the vibe at practice of when it's not hard to tell when you're a part of a team, when a certain guy is in the huddle and a certain guy's back there, there is a different demeanor about everybody else on the team when that guy's back there versus everyone else. So when I say the team decides who the starting quarterback is, that's what I mean by that. So they have to earn, the quarterbacks have to earn their teammates' trust, their teammates, you know, they got to earn the right for them to believe in them. And, when that happens, it will not be hard to figure out who our starting quarterback is. But everybody's going to get reps. Everybody's going to get a chance. But, you know, we're, once we decide it, once you can kind of tell, and, and it's, it's normally pretty obvious, you know, when that happens, it's time to go build that football team and build this offense and give ourselves a chance to go be successful in the fall. And I think one of the uh, biggest transitions that we could see is across that offensive line. And I know – uh, any coach will tell you it has to start there. And any plans that you have for an offense, those five guys up front are going to be the most important part. How's that transition been like the, for these guys this fall, a uh, transition away from that option attack and maybe more towards a spread pro style uh, that you guys are trying to install? Well, again, I've been, I've been extremely pleased. Um, I, think we, I think we have a long way to go in the offensive line room, but I've been pleased with the attitude and the effort and the want to. I think we went out and hired one of the finest offensive line coaches in America and Coach Owens. So, you know, really looking forward to what that group can do. And, uh, you know, it is a shift from what's been done in the past, and, and that's okay. And I think that the, the players have bought into it and they're enjoying it. And, you know, that's part of a, us as coaches is we got to get the players to believe in what we're doing and what we want to do. And there's been buy-in. It's been really, really cool to see. Uh you know, we added three high school kids to the to the team this spring, and we're going to add a few more to that room as well. We got to continue to grow in that old line room, but the, the attitude and the effort, the want to, has been there, and and that goes a long way in being successful. What's the uh, transition been like coming back down to Georgia Southern? Because I know I, I've spoken about it a lot. It's a fan base that's really kind of unlike any other, just in the the reverence they have for their program and the unabashed love they have for the program. What's that welcome been like? Uh, from the Statesboro community and just kind of transitioning in now uh, as the offensive coordinator? Well, I'll say this. Since the time I've stepped foot here, the thing when you're, when you're a coach, what you're looking for is you're looking for a chance to win and a place that gives you the resources to be able to win and people that care about what you're doing. And there is not a place in this country that cares more about their football program and their football team than Georgia Southern University. And with that, does that come expectations? Does that come with, yeah, do, you know, yeah, sure. But that's what you want. That's what, you know, we're 
in our profession nowadays, we're hired and fired so fast. It doesn't matter where you go. It's this way. But they've given us the resources. They, we have the players, the talents around. Now it's up to us as, as coaches and as a football team to put it together and to go out there and be successful. And, you know, it's been really fun. You can't. My, I have a, uh, my wife and my two kids, you know, we can't hardly go into a restaurant in this town with somebody in, in Statesboro isn't coming up to us and talking. And everybody's been kind so far. You know, right now we're 0-0, so, you know, that, that part yeah. nice. But everybody's been great. And, but you can see the care and the want to and, and of the fan base of we want to get, get this place back to being an elite program. And, and that, you know, that's been fun to see. You say the conversation has been nice, but uh... – Curious, maybe they change a little bit the first time offense goes out there maybe only puts up 10 points? Well, trust me, we know what profession we got in. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I say this all the time. No one's forcing me to be a football coach. I, I chose this profession, and we know what profession we got in. And, and, you know, I don't plan on only scoring 10 points, but, yes, I know I don't need to look at the Internet or look at anything else <laughs> to know what is being said if we don't have a successful day. I get it. I'm a coach's kid. I, I, I know I know what it's like. I've spoken to Coach uh, Helton about this, but just how excited are you overarchingly for a chance to, to build this program? Because I think it's one of those programs that has the potential to be really special. You see a Cincinnati go uh, and play for a college football semifinal against Alabama, right? And just talk about resources and, and what you're surrounded by. I know Coach Helton's from uh, the panhandle of Florida, so he knows what this area is like. But, man, you went to Peach County. You know what kind of football players grow up in this area and the kind of talent that's in a 100-mile radius of Statesboro. Just how exciting is that for you, the potential, I guess, that this program has? Well, that, that's what I said to, be, to start this whole thing off. And when, I'm, when I was making a decision at, in, during the offseason of what, what I wanted to do and what was the next step in my career and, and all those things, that played a huge role in coming to Georgia Southern. There is, I know how important high school football is in the state. I lived it my entire life. And, you know, I I tell people all the time, I I chose to bet my career on high school football players from the state of Georgia by coming to Georgia Southern. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. I wholeheartedly believe you can go in a two-hour radius of Statesboro, Georgia, and find enough talent to be very, very successful at the Division I level. And there's not a lot of places in America that can say that. And this is a this is a unique place. This is a special place because when you're a high school football player in this state, Georgia Southern has been good for so long. Everyone knows about it. And I remember being 18 years old, and I remember Georgia Southern coming into my home and recruiting me and talking to me and all those things. And it's cool to go to Georgia Southern as a high school kid, whether you play football or not. This is a great place to go to school. It is cool to go to school here. And that gives us a chance, no matter what the resources are, that gives you a chance to be successful and to take a program to special places because of the players that you're able to get and the players that want to come to school here, no matter who the coach is, that want to be a Georgia Southern Eagle, that's pretty cool. Again, Georgia Southern Offensive Coordinator Brian Ellis joining us here on ESPN Radio. Uh, Coach, I know you're just now really getting into the evaluation portion and getting to see these guys in live fire drills, but who are some guys you're excited about coming up for this 2022 season? Oh, man, you know, there's a lot. Um, Jalen White, been just ultra impressed with Jalen, both as a person, the way he carries himself, 
Um, but his physical running style, his toughness, Gerald Green in the backfield, been really, really fired up with him. You know, I, I have been, and, and not a knock to anybody, so I don't want anybody to think this is negative, but, but what was done in the past offensively, I was not expecting the wide receiver talent that we have at Georgia Southern. And you, you look at a Caleb Hood, a Derwin Burgess, a uh, Amari Jones, J.J., um, the, the receiver we brought in from University of Houston, um, Jeremy Singleton, Sam Kenderson. I have been really, really fired up at the skill set that we have on the perimeter to be able to go do what we want to do, to see those guys go in day in and day out and go to practice and make the plays. I mean, Caleb Hood made a play yesterday at practice that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I've been around some really, really good wideouts. But, man, it was a really special play where you look up as a coach and, you know, all of a sudden we just scored a 70-yard touchdown because the young man decided I'm going to be special on this play, and he went and did it. And, and that makes it a lot of fun as, a, as an offensive coach and as, as a coach to, to be able to work with guys with that skill set and to give ourselves a chance to go be successful. You know, there, there, we got a lot of, long way to go in a lot of areas. You know, the quarterback room, I'm really, really excited about the way they work. You know, again, shifting from what we've done to, to now what we're going to, we have a long way to go in that quarterback room, but they're working at it every day. And, you know, thank the Lord we have 35, 36 more practices to be able to give ourselves a chance. And as a college, former college football player, I should say, and a college football coach, uh, how important is it to you after you wrap up spring to look up in the stands and see a full stadium uh, when you're playing that spring game on April 23rd? Well, I'll tell you this. In this game, this job that we do, it's about the players, man. It's about the kids. And if those kids get to run out of that tunnel and see their, their stadium full, it changes their entire attitude, their entire work ethic for that day. The vibe of the whole practice will just shoot through the roof. It's really cool as a player to run out of there and see a bunch of people that are excited about watching you play and to go out there and put a show on for me you know at the end of the day as football players we, they're entertainers that's what we're that's what they're there to do they're there to entertain their people and you know that's what to be able to run out of that tunnel and see that would be really really cool for those kids again georgia southern offensive coordinator brian ellis kind enough to take some time with us here during the middle of spring practice coach we appreciate the time man i look forward to talking to you as we get closer to the season and as you guys go uh through this process man really appreciate it thank y'all hail southern Again, Brian Ellis, kind enough to take some time with us here on Second Down. Really exciting stuff happening up in Statesboro. Keep you updated uh, all we can as spring practice finishes up. And again, spring game coming up here in a little bit. Really exciting uh, to see what this offense is going to look like. So much talent up there for Georgia Southern. And again, we'll keep you updated as it goes. We'll take a quick break. Come back with more right here on Second Down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by The Uniform. Source Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you hanging out with us here on this Thursday. PJ, is it Thursday? Yeah, Thank yeah, you. for Thank sure. Thank you. Thursday. Look, they all start blending together once we get to this part of the week. Like, what is the difference between a Tuesday, Wednesday, or a Thursday? Is there one? Tuesday and Wednesday, I don't really think so. Thursday is is starting to feel a little bit more hopeful. You know? Like, one, I mean, like... I guess once you get to football season, you got Thursday night football, and you care about that. But like when it's not football season, do any of the days really matter except Friday? I I don't mind Thursday. 
I don't mind. I'm not Thursday. asking if you mind it. I'm asking no, if there's I, any difference. I think, I think there's a little bit of a difference because I think you're starting to, you're at least planning some things. Maybe you're looking forward to some stuff. Monday through Wednesday is completely just kind of mundane and, and it's all smushed together. All right. Let's be real. So I have, this is my favorite thing to do on PJ, is just drop random questions on Thursday them. also, uh, like, I mean, no, no matter what time of the year, Thursday during high school football season okay. is high school, high school first, first look. look so, baby, I mean, that just, for me, host, PJ that Zuko. just brings, you know, Thursday all year round is like, you know what? During the football season, I'll have a show today. All right. We got, okay, we're not, this is, we're not, we're not promoing high school first <laughs> look at the moment. Uh, did you see, might have been three, four weeks back now, on Wheel of Fortune, where they had the clues up there, and it was feather in your, and then it was yeah. three letters, and there was an A in the middle. Yeah. And one lady kept missing it. She said, like, hat, lap, all the different things. Uh, and then the one guy who you could clearly tell knew it kept hitting bankrupt, like, over and over again. Yeah. Okay, well, we had a similar moment, in my opinion, on Jeopardy last night. So I want to see if you would have nailed this Jeopardy question because I okay. think you would have. Because I, I love watching Jeopardy. I'd say I'm probably a 40 to 50 percenter, right? Where it's like if a question comes up there about 40 to 50 percent of the times, I know. It's just some of the knowledge base is just so broad. But then there's questions like this where you're like, come on. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm. I, it's ludicrous that I feel that way, right? I, maybe it's just because of the thing I grew up watching and – just the job that we do. So here's the question. For 800 points, PJ, a few career highlights. He won the Heisman at Auburn, ran for 221 yards in one game for the Raiders, and was an AL All-Star. Oh, no. Oh, um. Oh, no. Oh, for, for, for Auburn, you said. And was an AL All-Star, so it was Bo Jackson. Okay, thank God. Yeah. That was about to be catastrophic. <laughs> what no, was the delay? No, no, no. At first, because, like, you started. You immediately went to Cam Newton? Well, that's the thing. Okay. Anyone our age, you start with, like, Auburn, and you start going through those, those you know, won the Heisman, had this crazy stat line, and it's that's automatically where my head goes. So, yeah, the, the AL thing really threw me off there for a second. But once I got back to it, I was fine. It's just, it's so hard. When you say, for anyone our age, when has you say anyone, Auburn, you automatically go Has to anyone ever looked better in a baseball uniform than Bo Jackson? I mean, that's a really interesting question, but probably not. I'll pull up a picture has for Saquon you. Has Saquon ever wore a baseball uniform? Okay. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, I, mean I, I know, like, Bo Jackson and Saquon kind of go hand in, or, like, Bo Jackson, Barry Sanders, Saquon Barkley, they're all kind of the, the dude, same thing. look at the ham hocks on that guy. I'm telling you, dude, if Saquon threw on some baseball pants, that's what you'd be looking at. But you're right, though. I mean, that, that's... Like, maybe Ron Gant? Like, honestly, that looks like a baseball god amongst men. Like, look at the quads. And, like, do I understand? Yeah, it's Bo Jackson. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not like he was playing, like, low A ball. This is, like, what I would like imagine... Like, Michael Jordan, love him, never looked like this in a baseball uniform. To... <laughs> There's the famous shot. Yeah, of course. This might like slip in a, you know, I don't know. You're you're probably getting into the more like nerd version. The dude could squat a truck. Yeah, nerd version of me. But like, can you imagine like 
in like Greek mythology or whatever. Can you imagine if like Achilles played baseball? Bro, that Bo kind Jackson, of looks, no, Bo that Jackson would wreck Achilles. <laughs> oh man, Achilles doesn't want that smoke. Like you know Hercules? what the problem is? No, Achilles has a weakness. Literally, a Achilles heel. Right. Achilles has a weakness. Bo Jackson has no weakness. It, 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 there isn't one at all. But the one that I will put I'd up there. I'd say everyone has that one like weakness. Maybe looked better in a baseball uniform than Bo Jackson. I give you Ron Gant. I mean, did you say better? I I mean, look I at, think, bro, look at those things. Yeah, the pythons are sick. Yeah, but like somebody call a vet because those I would, pythons are sick. I would say that's the closest thing. Maybe that's 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 close. It's like Ron Gant at fifty years old. But that's not better. Nothing beats 90s graphic design, and by this, the way. And it doesn't, but this is going to make a lot of people mad, and I get that. But, like, look at the uniform he's wearing. That's why you think he looks as good as No, look, here's him in a Cincinnati Reds uniform. No, see, no. You know what? This is going to make you really mad, but I... This is like... There's him in a Padres uniform. <laughs> it looks like... Bo Jackson's, like, little cousin. I mean, yeah, Ron Gant wasn't the tallest person. No, I mean all around. Like, the body physique is a little, it's a little more trim. It's a little smaller. Do, do, do you see these pipe vendors? Cool. That's, that's fine. But, like, Look at that. Bo Jackson had that on his legs and his quads yeah, and yeah. his calves. Yeah. He had it everywhere. Listen, I'm not going to fight you. Bo Jackson is the man. And that's the thing. I'm not trying to downplay or diss Ron Gant by any means. That guy's a monster. You also, also. I just would also, rank him number two. I just figured you would you would rock with Ron Gant because short king. Why? Why do we have to do this? Like in none of these pictures did I think, wow, that guy's short. It doesn't matter, man. Especially in <laughs> baseball. It doesn't matter. Oh, I might have lied. I might have lied. See? See? He's just so yoked up. Six feet tall. He's six feet tall, man. Six feet tall. He's Fine. so yoked up, though. I will say, like, short people Short people do have, like, I'm not a good example of any of this right now, but, like, taller sh- than Bo short people have a problem where it's, like, you can't get too yoked or then you start, like, trending in the, in the wrong direction of looking odd. Nope. All right. Yeah, that's true. You know, like... All right, listen... We're not going into body shaming here. I'm not trying to body shame. Oh my gosh, I'm not. I'm not doing that, man. Just being honest. I don't know why but I'm answer just... the question: Has anybody ever looked better in a baseball uniform than Bo Jackson? No, I said no. All right, cool. As long as we're in agreement on that. I said no. Yeah, I appreciate. I don't no, I'm just glad we're in agreement on that. That's fine. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right. back. Okay. Sounds great. Second down. If ESP, I had to ESPN choose radio. a second, ESPN though, radio. It'd, it'd probably be Gant. ESPN Radio. I now want to do an entire show comparing college football running backs to Greek heroes. Can't wait. Like in in round one, Hercules versus Herschel Walker. Hercules <laughs> versus Herschel. Yep, yep, solid. In the next bracket down, we got, I don't know, Hector versus Saquon. I don't even know who Hector is. Hector is the guy. Have you, have you, have, have you ever read? No, thought no. Okay. Uh, no, I don't. The Iliad. So I don't, no. Okay, I'll, better question. Have you ever seen the movie Troy? Who's like the fastest? Have you ever seen yes, Troy? Yes, I have. Okay, the go. guy that Brad Pitt wrecks outside of the city walls. Sure, that's Hector. Yeah, who's Eric like, Banna? Okay, is, Who, is Hector. who's like the fastest NFL player right now? Tyreek Hill. 
Tyreek Hill versus Mercury. Tyreek Hill's smoking that cat. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Like, that dude's running a five flat back in the day, and people are like, whoa! Oh, my gosh. Whoa! <laughs> like, did they even invent sprints? I know, like, like cross-country comes from, or marathons comes from, like, literally the Battle of Marathon, where you're, like, sending scouts back, and they have to run long distances, right? Uh, so, like, I understand ten, that, ten it, seconds. That, that it comes from that, but... Tyree Kill and all those guys are smoking them. So we're going to do a whole show about this. Three and out, coming up next. <laughs>